This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Center. This is Audrey Raj. Now on the show today, we're going to be talking about the interrelationship between ESG and enterprise risk management. Joining us on the show is Ramesh Pillay, Chairman of the Board of Governors of the International Institute of Enterprise Risk Practitioners. And he's going to give us some insights on ESG from a risk management lens and how they are intertwined. Ramesh, welcome to Resource Center. Uh, thank you, Audrey. Uh, good morning. Jumping so, straight into this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go, go for it. Okay. <laughs> uh, enterprise risk management essentially is, is how we manage risks and opportunities in an organization in order to drive organizational sustainability, agility, and resilience. And it's essentially all about how we, we protect and create value. If you follow uh, long-term value, that is, if you follow ISO 31000. Essentially, if you if you are not really clear what it's all about, it's it boils down to four very simple words. Mm. Do the right thing. <laughs> Don't know what to do? Do the right thing. Uh, from a governance perspective, should I go left or right? do the right thing. From a climate change perspective, we've got two options. One option gives us more profits, the other option maybe not. What do we do? Do the right thing. So it's essentially as simple as that. It really boils down uh, to that. ERM drives uh, performance and is also a strategic management tool. And the definition of risk essentially is anything that prevents you achieving your objectives. Mm. Now, how, do, how does this relate to ESG? Just to, to, to int- introduce that linkage upfront so we understand it. ESG um, really is all about supporting the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. And and the definition of sustainable development, uh, just to remind those of us who may not be so clear, is it's development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. This, This means that when you look at ESG, it really represents risks and opportunities that impact a company's ability to create long term value. This includes environmental issues like climate change uh, and national uh, and natural resource scarcity. Uh, it also covers social issues like labor practices, product safety, and data security. And it also involves governance matters that include board diversity, executive pay, and tax transparency. So actually, it's all completely intertwined in life mm. and business. Mm. The challenge is that there, there are many frameworks, some would argue too many frameworks, to try and measure and drive and report on ESG. You, know, you, have, you have the GRI framework, the VBI framework, the SASB framework, many of these frameworks. The, the one that we particularly like and the one that we endorse at the Institute when we, when we conduct our sustainability risk management uh, uh, certification program is something called stakeholder capitalism, and the stakeholder capitalism model is the model that is actually promoted by the World Economic Forum. Okay, mm-hmm. And according to the stakeholder capitalism model, the reason why you want to get involved in, in driving ESG is because at the end of the day, ESG is good for business, but it's also good for the planet. So the idea is that we're meant to implement ESG in a way where we drive long-term sustainability, long-term value of the company, whilst at the same time being responsible corporate citizens and protecting our planet as well. And actually, logically speaking, when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense because 
if risk is anything that prevents us achieving our objectives, we cannot have any objectives as the planet doesn't exist, right? Mm. <laughs> so mm. our, our, primary, our primary aim must be to ensure that there is a planet so that we can run our business. And that's why, although climate change is not, is not, is not the, the, most, the most important ESG risk, it is the most critical ESG risk at this right. particular juncture. Yeah? Right. So that's the relationship between climate change and, and ESG. Um, now, the, the thing about all of this is that at, at the heart of this exercise um, uh, in ESG, it, it's the belief that the interrelation of economic, environmental, and social factors is increasingly material to long-term enterprise value uh, creation. Uh, investors and, and uh, all stakeholders now expect companies to report on non-financial issues, risks, and opportunities with the same discipline and rigor uh, as financial information. That's why you're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of these, clo- these disclosures coming in now. Now, the idea is that by reporting uh, on these recommended metrics in their mainstream reports, and by integrating them into governance, business strategy, and performance management, a company demonstrates to its shareholders and stakeholders alike that it diligently weighs all pertinent risks and opportunities in running its business. Uh, But beyond this, those corporations that align their goals to the long-term goals of society, as articulated in the SDGs, are those which are most likely to create long-term sustainable value, and and keyword here is sustainable, uh, uh, while driving positive outcomes uh, for business, the economy, society, and and the planet. And and this really is the true definition of uh, stakeholder uh, um, capitalism. Yeah? And right. that's what the World Economic Forum is trying to do. And that's what we uh, subscribe to here at the Institute. So coming back now to the, the key question about uh, ERM and what's the relationship uh, between ERM and ESG. Yeah. Really, let's, let's step back for a while and, and let's understand that in the, in the 18 months, 18 to 24 months, since the COVID pandemic first shuttered the world, organizations have learned to embrace the unexpected. Board directors, uh, C-suite executives, risk managers, which are all the key players in risk management, now know that low likelihood, high impact risks must be given greater consideration. Before the pandemic, people would say to me, because we also the Institute also helps out with some consulting work to implement risk management, they would say to me often, but Ramesh, it, it's a low probability event. Why are we even considering it? So the, the, the pandemic hopefully has put all of this to rest because mm. risk needs to be considered in its totality. You, you, you look at it from a probabilistic manner, but it's probability times impact. They're not separate. They, mm. You don't look at the probability separate from the impact. You weight the impact based on the probability. Yeah, And a pandemic has a huge impact even though the probability is lower. So from a risk perspective, actually it's still very critical that you consider it. And hopefully people understand that uh, uh, now. This realization hopefully has jolted boards into greater awareness of risk management weaknesses, has energized senior management to build more nimble and resilient organizations, and hopefully has also positioned risk management to deliver broader value. Indeed, um, the pandemic has also spawned changes in how we see our trusted institutions and the values that we and priorities we place on our time and our commitments to long-held social contracts about work, diversity, uh, and the health of the world around us. Now, 
it's, it's a bit too early for definitive answers to which of these changes will be fleeting or permanent. However, one thing is certain, and that is this once in a century, hopefully, a test of core social, business, political, and economic belief will forge changes which are both subtle and profound at the same time. Now, while historic, the lingering pandemic and its related fallout is not the only factors likely to influence risk going forward. Growth in social upheaval, and we've seen a lot about that, a significant shift in regulatory attitudes, continuing economic and political volatility, continuing effects of climate change, and the marked acceleration of environmental, social, and governance-related issues um, are combining to make the, the coming year one filled with unpredictability and opportunity. Now, COVID-19, really, when you look at it, has been a, a bit of a wake-up call for organizations to create a plan for the unexpected. These Hollywood-type risk scenarios, and you can see lots of Hollywood movies which have pandemics, even now there are mm. a number of them, yeah, are now something that should be discussed to some extent within organizations. You mm. should, when someone brings it up, you shouldn't look at them and ask, you know, what drugs are they on? No, you should actually consider <laughs> in, more, in more detail that, that these things can happen. Yeah. And we, we should therefore put some time aside to discuss them. Because risk today has become very volatile and random. You see things occurring globally in the news. Uh, and, and the challenge is that there seems to be less correlation between the causes and the effects. It never used to be the case before. It used to be clearer before. So what I've done is I've, I've kind of trawled through my, my mind um, based on experience, based on discussions with, with a number of other parties. I also sit... On, on a number of financial institution boards, so based on those discussions. And I've kind of pulled out um, uh, 12 risks, which I'd like to highlight, and, and also to highlight some of the linkages, perhaps, from uh, an ESG kind of uh, perspective. Right? So the risks that I'm going to talk about really uh, are the ones that I believe are likely to affect organizations going forward, not just in the next 12 months, but likely in the next... Uh, 18 to 24 months, and I'm, I'm, I've attempted to, to present these risks in some form of, some form of order of relevance. So, all right, why all right. The, right, and, and, right. And, we'll, and we'll get to those risks in just a bit. We're going to need right. to take a quick break for some so, messages. When we come back, we'll dive straight into those risks. And we also ask, um, we ask Ramesh about what leaders can do to prepare for these risks. All that and more happening on Resource Centre. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Bloggers for Malaysia, BFM 89.9. You are listening to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Online with us today, we have the Chairman of the Board of Governors of the International Institute of Enterprise Risk Practitioners. We have Ramesh Pillay online with us today and he is going to dive straight back in into the 12 risks organisations need to be aware of when it comes to managing risk and ESG in the coming year. Right, Ramesh? That's right, Audrey. Thank you. So right, right at the top of the list, uh, I think uh, won't come as a surprise to anyone is cybersecurity. Mm. The, the growing sophistication and variety of cyber attacks uh, continue to wreak havoc on organizational uh, on organizations' brands and reputations, often resulting in uh, disastrous and financial impacts. And this risk really examines whether organizations are sufficiently 
prepared to manage cyber threats that could cause disruption and reputation harm. The second one, again, I, I don't think should come as a surprise to most people, is talent management. The increased need and acceptance of remote operations, mm. um, yeah, uh, including working from home, as well as continued dy- dynamic labor conditions. I know so many companies who are struggling with this. We've heard of problems with companies like Microsoft and Google, you know, where they're asking their, their employees to come back to work. Even even Tesla, right? Yep, Elon yep. Musk. Elon Musk has, has threatened to sack people. So mm. that, there's all this change going on, right? It's redefining how work gets done. And this examines the challenges organizations face in identifying, acquiring, upskilling, and retaining the right talent in order to achieve their objectives. Remember, risk is anything that prevents you achieving your objectives. Right. The third risk is the first, is the first critical ESG linkage, yeah? and that's organizational governance. So this is the G mm. in the ESG. Yeah. So that's actually number three. It's interesting. Governance encompasses all aspects of how an organization is directed and managed, uh, which includes the system of rules, uh, the practices, processes, and controls by which it uh, operates. This examines whether organizations' governance assists or hinders the achievement of objectives. You know, sometimes you have a lot of form but no substance. What we want is substance over form, where the substance helps you to achieve your objectives, and you're not just you're not just doing it to comply. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it to comply, it, it's not efficient, it's not effective, and and that's where it doesn't help you towards the achievement of your objectives. So that's that's the first thing. Number four is data privacy. And the growing list of regulations that you're seeing uh, from, uh, from regulations from jurisdictions around the world is making data privacy increase, increasingly complex and uh, dynamic. The, the, the challenge here is to examine how we protect sensitive data, which is in our care, and to ensure compliance to all applicable laws and regulations. Number five, very interesting as well, uh, is culture. Now, actually, the first, the first four, even though I said three, organizational governance mm-hmm. was, was intrinsically linked to the G and ESG. Actually, all of them, when you look at the SDGs, all of them are affected by and affect the uh, 17 SDGs. Right. So number five is culture with an increasing percentage of professional employees working remotely or full-time. Organizations are challenged to maintain enhance or control their organizational culture. This really examines whether organizations understand, monitor, and manage the tone, um, incentives, and actions that drive the desired uh, behavior. And and I'll I'll talk a little bit in a little while about Mm -hmm. innovation and disruption, and this will link back to this, this risk number five down here. Risk number six, economic and political volatility. When you look at the ongoing impacts of the pandemic combined with the normal dynamics of macroeconomic cycles, um, we will see that all of these have the potential to create volatility. And we have seen the volatility created in the markets in which uh, organizations operate. One of them, you, you've seen SVB Bank, right? Yeah. You, you, you've seen some of the issues down there. And it, it's continuing to destabilize a lot of these financial markets. Thankfully, Bank Nagara uh, is very vigilant on all these things, and the financial institutions here are very well capitalized, mm-hmm. and they've come back out to reiterate that. But around the world, um, it, it's not the same. The level of, of uh, I don't say vigilance, but the, the, the level of capitalization is not necessarily the same because their views are slightly different. So this particular risk 
examines the challenges and uncertainties organizations face in a dynamic and potentially volatile economic and political environment. And we see that. Now, let, let's forget about the politics in Malaysia for a while with the <laughs> elections coming up. But just internationally, we can see these, uh, these happening as well. Number seven is change in regulatory environment. Uh, fundamental changes in government appetite for regulations can have a significant impact on organizations, uh, including those not considered heavy regulated, because even they are coming under more, more uh, high regulated uh, scrutiny. This risk examines the challenges that organizations face in a dynamic and ambiguous regulatory environment. Number eight, supplier and vendor management. Actually, at our conference last year, I, I, I delivered a paper on, on uh, uh, supplier and vendor management because supply chain risk is actually a very critical risk in today's yes. environment. Yeah, And people underestimate this. So for, for any organization to be successful, it has to maintain healthy and fruitful relationships with all of its external business partners and vendors. And really here, we're talking about how we ensure that we have adequate ability to select and monitor third-party relationships. Mm. Risk number nine is the one I mentioned earlier when I talked about culture, disruptive innovation. We are very much now in an era of innovative business models fueled by disruptive technologies. And, and this risk examines whether organizations are prepared to adapt to and or capitalize uh, on disruption. Now, why, why is this an issue and why is this linked to culture? It's because when you, when you look back at what drives innovation, uh, innovation is really driven when ideas collide. Where, and for ideas to collide, people need to sit face to face, mm. right? And, I, and, you, and that's why people like Elon Musk want his guys on girls to come back to the office so that they can sit around the table, sit at the coffee machine and talk and kick the can down the road, so to speak, because that is how innovation gets fueled. When you look at the Renaissance, uh, when you look at what happened, uh, you know, going back a couple of hundred years ago, all of the great ideas were actually spawned in the coffee halls and mm -hmm. the tea halls where people used to come in, sit down, just like our coffee shops down here, coffee tiams, you don't know someone, you know, I, I, I sometimes walk in, there's no space, I just pull up a chair and say, would you mind if I join you? You make friends and you discuss things. And when you start to share ideas and you build one idea upon another, that's when you actually have proper innovation. So that's right. very critical. And that's why the cultural part is also important. Risk number 10 is also on ESG. Remember, risk number three was organizational governance. Risk number 10 is social sustainability. This is the S mm. in the ESG. Increasingly, uh, there is recognition that organizations have significant influence on individuals who they employ, who work in their value chain, who consume their products and services, and who live in their communities. This risk examines the ability of organizations to understand and manage the direct and indirect impacts their actions have on individuals and communities. Risk number 11 comes back to what we talked about before, which is supply chain disruption. Um, and this is the disruption of business as usual operations globally, rooted really in the global pandemic. That's, that, that was the root cause of all mm. of these things. And this has highlighted the need for resilience in supply chains, hence going back to the root of enterprise risk management uh, in support of organizations' achievement of strategic uh, objectives. And this examines whether organizations have built in the flexibility to adapt to current and future supply chain 
disruptions. And, and the 12th and final risk that I've identified is environmental sustainability. And that's the E in the ESG. And it's interesting that it's number 12 of 12. Yeah, So it's right down the list. Um, organizations are facing increased pressure from stakeholders, as I, as I introduced uh, up front just now, including shareholders, regulators, customers, employees, to, dis uh, to disclose how they are impacting the environment in which they operate. And this risk really examines the ability of organizations to reliably measure, evaluate, and accurately report on their environmental impacts. Um, breaking these three risks across uh, the areas associated with ESG, which is the environmental uh, sustainability, social sustainability, and organizational governance, uh, what you're going to see is that many business professionals really, whilst, whilst they know it's, it's important, they, they differ on how they value the importance uh, mm. here. Okay? Um, a lot of companies will tell you that they're aligned when it comes to, to ESG. But the concern with all of this is, is I guess, the greenwashing aspects mm. of it. Okay, uh, and and the greenwashing aspects of this really re relate to whether or not there is there is uh, uh, substance, or whether or not there is form. Advocates of uh, corporate sustainability will be quick to point to social and environmental sustainability being critical components to overall sound organizational governance. So really, they are arguing that well, you can't have one without the other, which is absolutely right. And despite widespread concern about climate change, interestingly, when you speak to a lot of executives or board directors, what, what you will generally find is that um, fewer than half of them are likely to, to say that um, uh, environmental sustainability is a relevant risk within the organization. Right? So there's, there's a bit more form than substance. To be, to be sure, really, um, comments from some of these people will, will, you, you will see will reflect a, a narrow scope of context relating to environmental sustainability. Because at the end of the day, there has been growing awareness of ESG risks as reflected in the growing number of organizations producing all of these sustainability reports and ESG reports and growing investor pressure for such reporting. But changes appear to be driven by short-term considerations as opposed to fundamental recognition of sustainability's values. In other words, mm -hmm. I do because I forced to lie, yeah? not mm -hmm. because I really want to do this. Uh, mm -hmm. So, for example, so, sorry, Audrey, you want to say something? No, I was going to ask. So, so yeah. I mean, what's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario if organizations fail to prepare for the risks that you have just listed out for us? Uh, to me, it's all about organizational sustainability, agility, and resilience. Because to, to, put, it, to put it directly, good ESG and, uh, management and good ESG risk management is quite simply good risk management. Because mm. they're both trying to achieve the same thing. It's kind of to, a subset, right? From what I yeah. understand, ESG is a subset of what ERM hopes to achieve. Exactly right. They're both trying to achieve the, the creation and protection of long-term value. Mm. They both need to be incorporated into strategy. You, you can't just have your ESG statement and then put it to one side, right? You have to incorporate it into strategy, just the same as ERM. You have ESG objectives, which will impact your performance, which will impact your, your tactical deliverability of whatever it is you want to do uh, in terms of your strategy. And ERM is, is interconnected 
with all of these things. You can't run away from it. So the worst case scenario is that you don't achieve what it is you want to achieve and you, you don't just fail to, to create value, you actually damage value. And the, and the value damage comes from the greenwashing mm. because greenwashing will give rise to reputational risk. So if you say you want to do something, you need to do it. If you say you've done it, you must have done it. Because don't assume that in, in today's interconnected world with social media very prevalent out there, that you can, you can say stuff and get away with it. Maybe in the short run, but not in the long Definitely. run. Yeah. And, and that's the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is that you get discovered as a fraud, you get called out as a fraud, or your initiatives are going in the wrong direction, or worse still, all your competitors are doing the right thing. And you're not viewed as doing the right thing, which means that people will gravitate more towards your, your, uh, your competitors. So at the end of the day, it's good, it's good business sense. It's common sense. And, you know, coming back to the question that you asked earlier, what should boards do? What should companies do? Yeah, um, yeah. How should leaders prepare? Yeah, a, a, number of, a number of key takeaways. The first one really is that they need to understand what ERM means and what ERM stands for. And I can tell you, uh, I, I train board directors, I, I, I train professionals as well. And I've been doing this for about 35 years now. Um, I was one of the pioneers of ERM in this country and one of the pioneers globally. People don't understand ERM. People think ERM is about risk, meaning it's about hazard. The hazard part of risk. It's not. ERM is about opportunity. ERM is about how we drive our business. Uh, yes, it does have to look at hazards, but it's not just the hazards. Yeah, It's not just the bad things in life because there are opportunities which we want to exploit, which means that the, the business community needs to understand the linkages between ERM and ESG. Right, uh, And they need to understand what I said before, which is that ERM is very simply put, just plain, old-fashioned, good risk management. That means that you need to educate, educate, educate. I mean, I, I heard on a, on a BFM uh, uh, interview recently with uh, the, 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 the incoming CEO of the Asian uh, the, the Business uh, Institute, yeah? Basically, he was saying education is not just now about going to university uh, and getting a degree and that's it. It's about continuous learning over life because the environment is changing. And, I, and at the Institute, we subscribe to that. It's about continuous education. You never stop learning because ESG is continuously evolving and risk management is continuously evolving. So it's about educate, 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 that continuous education, not just for the C-suite, not just for your risk managers and your business professionals, but also board directors. Board directors need to understand the value proposition. Uh, the scary part I find for a lot of board directors, not all, um, is that a lot of them don't understand that value proposition. They, they, they say all the right words, but when you sit down and have a coffee with them or you know, if you want to have a beer, something stronger with them, uh, you, you start to realize that the, the value proposition that they envisage is a slightly different value proposition and, and therefore we all need to get on board. We need to, to go for substance over form. We need to have clarity in what it is we want to achieve because risk management is about achieving organizational objectives. So we must be clear about what it is we want to, to achieve. We also need to be sincere uh, about what we want to execute uh, in, in ERM and ESG if we want to avoid reputational risk and allegations of and greenwashing and stuff like that. And, and finally, we need to link ERM to ESG in our strategy and we need to drive it continuously. 
Right. Ramesh, that was a jam-packed session. But, you know, just before I let you go, a very quick, what's the call to action here? You know, so what should leaders uh, and organizations do as the first step to prepare for the risks on the horizon? In, and how can they be in touch with the Institute, of course? Uh, the, the best thing that leaders can do is to try and understand what it is they really want to achieve for their organizations, looking forward on a, on a one, three, and five-year time horizon. Beyond that, I think you're, you're kind of, of dreaming in today's environment. Um, and then you, I, I believe, the Institute believes that you need to have an objective-centric approach. In fact, the Institute in Malaysia is the only one that champions the objective-centric approach, and we teach people how to do this because this is what ISO 31000 does um, and this is what we truly believe in and if, if it, risk management is common sense right don't let anyone tell you otherwise it's common sense all you need is a structured approach to do it uh, we believe that ISO 31000 and ERM does that for you the institute will, will show people we do show people in our certification program um, and if anyone was, is interested in getting in touch with the institute you, know, you, you can google us Institute of Enterprise Risk Practitioners or it's instep instep uh, .com, uh, at inquiry at instep.com yeah. thank right. you Ali. Ramesh thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us I've been speaking with Ramesh Pillay Chairman of the Board of Governors of the International Institute of Enterprise Risk Practitioners if you missed out on any part of this show you can go look for the podcast on our website that's bfm.my you can also find all our podcasts on the BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play my name is Audrey Raj catch you again next week on Resource Centre BFM 89.9 you have been listening to a podcast from bfm 89.9 the business station for more stories of the same kind download the bfm app 